question. Oh. <laughs> Taking it every every which way but loose, right? Yeah. <laughs> The slots start at the top of the table, and now they're at the bottom. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our cold open, guys. Good job. your guys' uh, two weeks off? I spent time with my family in Grantsburg, Wisconsin. My sister and brother-in-law and their four kids came out from Spokane, and it was wonderful. Nice. I spent a week at the camper, which was gorgeous. And, uh, and then I've had uh, about a half a week back and uh, fell into a big stupor and stayed in bed the whole time and <laughs> just uh, with a laptop and a tablet and a phone and that's all I've done since I got back. Getting getting caught up on the MLS's drunk tournament? Yeah, and my own drunkenness and <laughs> weed and you know. Just I need to get I need to get back out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Moral of the story, get out of town. Uh Dan, how was your uh, how was your week? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Uh I don't as as we mentioned on last week's podcast, I don't do well in the heat. So it was another long week of finding like all of the shade in my house and shoving my cats into sunbeams so that I could like curl up in tiny patches of shade. But uh, yeah, other than that, uh, that sort of mortal embarrassment, it was it was good. It was a good week. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, it was actually gorgeous out today. I was outside during uh, when my son was taking a nap and just hanging out, drinking my coffee and listening to some music. Um, I saw today that the. Uh, Rilo Kylie is re-releasing their first album um, as a vinyl. Actually, like you was something that I had years and years and years and years and years ago um, when I first saw Rilo Kylie. Uh, but you could only get it on CD. It wasn't. It was never. It was never printed on vinyl. Um, but the, the they're printing it on vinyl. So I was pretty excited about that when I saw that uh, this morning. So. All right, well, we're not here to talk about music um, or anything like that. We're here to talk about some soccer, and so we're going to do that. First, um, Patreon. Uh, again, if you're not already a member of the Patreon, I don't know what to tell you. Patreon.com backslash the Daves I Know. Um, our Substack newsletter, the Daves I Know.substack.com. I'm in the middle of writing uh, a new one. Hopefully, we'll have that out either tomorrow or Wednesday. And, uh, you know, heathout.com. Um, we'll talk a little bit about a, a, a fun other website that uh, a friend of ours purchased. Uh, related to the uh, launch of a new MLS team. And I'm going to try, try and figure out ways that we can connect uh, our website, heathout.com, to that particular website. So that's a little, that's, that's what we in the, uh, in the business call a tease. So yeah, that's look forward to. 
All right, let's talk about Minnesota United and what the hell just happened. Uh, they played the Colorado Rapids on Wednesday of last week, uh, the super late game. Um, and, and it is a 2-2 uh, draw, which basically secured second place in the group for Minnesota. And as we're watching, um, watched this Kansas City and Vancouver game last night and starting to watch the RSL San Jose game as we're recording right now, um, that was probably the worst possible place for them to finish was in second place <laughs> in that group. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about what happened. Um, Minnesota and uh, Colorado came out in four, two, three, one formations. And right away from the get-go, um, there was some action, uh, both ends. And then um, Tyler Miller had a really amazing save. Uh, MJ, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, that save from Tyler Miller? So Nicola Benizé had a free kick. I cannot remember if it was the Dotson foul or if it was someone else. Because Dotson got a yellow card around that same time. But anyway, they earned a free kick on the right side. Diego Rubio just outruns, out-hustles uh, uh, Gasper, who's kind of like left staring like a deer in the headlight sort of way. And he gets just this great header on, on, on net. And Tyler Miller just makes this amazing one-iron save. Yeah. That, uh, that really sort of set the tone um, for the game, at least for the first half of the game. It was very much back and forth. Um, I'm going to talk about the, that, the first goal of the match. Um, so about the uh, – for the first 20 minutes of the game, or for, solid first 15 minutes of the game, you know, both teams had chances, but Minnesota, but Minnesota really was dictating uh, the flow of the game. Um, you know, uh, Romain Metnir had a shot in the, like, second minute that um, almost went in. Uh, Grey Goose had a, a shot uh, on goal, um, a sort of a two-on-one that just just went wide of the net. And kind of against the run of play, <clears throat> Minnesota had a, I believe it was a corner, or no, it was a free kick. Um, the ball kind of bounced back out to the middle, to midfield. Ozzy Alonso, it, in a classic not Alonso type of move, just sort of whiffed on the ball. Um, he, get, he, does, he does get bumped a little bit. Um, but goes down in a heap. Uh, some terrible. There's some. Ter- there was some terrible acting in this match, and that was. Uh, yeah. That was a particular, a particularly bad, terrible acting piece. And then um, Colorado was on a basically a, a three on two break. Yep. Um, Chase Gasper, who had who had sort of been up earlier to cy- sort of cycle the ball, uh, was way out of position. Obviously, obviously Alonso um, was way out of position. Michael Boxall had made probably one of the dumbest runs. I mean, maybe even dumber than when Tyler Miller tried to like anticipate that pass in the sporting Kansas city match goes to shut down. I believe it was Rubio who was on the ball, mm-hmm. totally leaving Kai Kamara wide open by himself all the way on the right hands on the right. You know, uh, Gasper was ele- easily 20 yards behind him. Um, Alonzo was easily 15 yards behind the guy and Kai Kamara does not, um, you know, when he's given that much space, uh, that much of a look on goal um, doesn't miss very often. And he didn't, he actually, he uh, had a really great shot. Tyler Miller probably could have done a little bit more with it, but that certain game, that goal certainly was not on Tyler Miller. It was on, it was really on Michael Boxel for way over committing um, uh, to try and shut down, I guess, to shut down the pass. Um, Boxel's got to know better. He's got to know um, that, you know, Gasper's not there, that there's no help for him. And he's got to play Kamara better on that one. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you can blame Gasper at all. I mean, if we're going to run this kind of this kind of formation, this, you know, kind of 
three one and you know and and Heath wants those those you know guys up as wingers you know involved in the offense all the time they're going to be up at times and they're not going to be involved in the defense so um it's it's gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get caught in three on twos I will say yeah. I, will blame, I will blame Gasper a little bit because he had a really shitty cross that was easy <laughs> well um, that's every cross yeah, he sucks at crosses man for as as you know good as he has been in other parts of the game he really sucks at crosses yeah yeah, I mean, to Bill's point, I think we really saw in this first half, we saw both the strength and the weakness of the four-two-three-one, because mm-hmm. Gasper was sucked into the attack on that. And I do think, I think he should have seen earlier that the play was dissolving and that he needed to cycle back. But either way, he pulled up into the attack. He was going to be out of position. It's just a question if he was 20 yards out of position or yeah. 10. The flip side is the, uh, the performance of Roman Metinair on the other side, who completely devastated the Colorado attack and it's just that he's such a freak he's almost never out of position so he can always track back so it it I mean you kind of have to take the bitter with the sweet if Minnesota is going to run its offense through its fullbacks you can't then point and say but they should have been back on defense because you can't have both if if you pause it right when Kamara gets the ball Gasper and Metinair are in exactly the same spot on either side yeah that doesn't surprise me too much yeah not give him shit for for not getting back. That's you know, um, I'm giving him shit for that shitty cross that you know. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and obviously Mettner's a better <laughs> all around player in both positions, forward and back. Yeah. So um, after that, you know, Colorado came out and took that lead. Um, Minnesota played well; they responded pretty fairly well. Mm-hmm. And about 20 minutes later, um, less than 20 minutes later, they get on the board um, with a, a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, flick. Um, from an amazing Grey Goose uh, free kick. Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm going to start this a year ago. Uh, you know, we had – <laughs> had... <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, I'll talk when I want to. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully you know, it's... in one-day increments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys like the movie Boyhood? It's going to be like that, but for Jan Grey Goose's last year. Uh, <laughs> you know, Grey Goose – came over he was not perhaps the heralded dp that somebody like a, a pazuelo or certainly someone like carlos vela chicharito is but he had a good pedigree um and it took him a while to blood into the team and i think we are just now starting to see the full jan gregus and part of that is his free kick prowess because we have seen it in all three games of this tournament he can put the ball in and we actually didn't see him do it particularly well last year um so it's really encouraging to see him not just picking out a cluster of players, but really picking out feet and specific heads and, and putting the ball on a dime. And this was absolutely one of those. He hit Ethan Finley about as sweetly as you can. And Finley didn't have much to do, but put a foot in the, in the way and, and put it in the back of the net. So full credit to Finley. And that's the type of goal he wants to score. But to me, this is all about Jan Grey Goose becoming so much more of an offensive weapon. We've seen him be that great box-to-box eight. He's another with elite fitness who tracks back pretty well. But if we can get him to the place where teams are hesitant to give up fouls in and around the box, they're afraid of what he'll do, that adds a whole other dimension to the offense they don't think we have quite yet. And we'll get into this a little bit with Columbus because they do with Zellerion. And it, it makes Giassi's art is that much harder to cover because nobody wants to foul him, you know, five, six, seven yards outside the box. And so it just gives them so much more of a free run. If Greg Goosh becomes that type of a player – all of a sudden life gets a lot easier for Ethan Finley, Luis Amaria, 
theoretically Robin Lude, but that may be asking a little too much. Uh, Grey Goose is great, but he's not God. Yeah. We're all cringing here. Yeah. You can't see uh, our faces. Um, Grey Goose MJ just threw up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so seven minutes later. Um, Taking my head, Dan. Seven minutes later, uh, Finley gets his brace, um, and Grey Goose was in- involved in that one as well. Um, Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit about that goal? Yeah, so it started, uh, you know, nine years ago <laughs> when, uh, oh, probably further ago than that, when Ozzy came to America. Um, no, when, uh, so, so Ozzy started uh, back uh, in our half with the ball and just some amazing, you know, bringing the ball up. And, and he's, he's so great with the ball. He has such a great low center of gravity. And, uh, and it's just a, you know, bulldog with that ball. He just, he's hard to take it, take it away from him and played a nice ball ahead to Metinair and Metinair immediately back to Gregus and, uh, and, and Gregus cut in and Metinair just, you know, round the outside and, and Gregus, you know, passed it through to him and, uh, and just had this gorgeous, you know, as he's cutting towards the goal, just this gorgeous uh, pass back to back to Finley, and you know, Finley, how it seemed like he wouldn't have even had time to react. Um, he his body just seemed out of whack at the time when he hit it, but it was perfect, and uh, and 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 got it right in. Um, it, it it you know, if you looked at just Finley's body, it wasn't pretty, but. You know, if you watch the whole scheme of the goal, it was gorgeous. Yeah, that goal, that goal from Finley, the second one was way harder, I think, than people realize. Like, yeah, for him to get it. And then <clears throat> to your points, too, about Ozzy, I think the thing with Ozzy is that he, you know, not only is he just like this bulldozing midfielder who can take the ball off of you and doesn't give it away, he also can pass. And so if you watch that, watch, watch that sequence of events again, you see Colorado players kind of like try to like step up a little bit, but then step back because they, they sort of, I think, realize that they're opening up spaces for him to pass. So he gets to run basically unimpeded for like 30 yards before yeah. he, before in an inexperienced six, um, you know, maybe like a, a Dotson or somebody would have passed that ball to Metnir, you know, 10 seconds earlier and that would have, would have basically not allowed that play to, to yeah. you know, happen in any way, shape, or form. So, or they would have doubled down on him and taken it away. Yeah, so that's – I mean, that speaks to volumes about what um, uh, Ozzy brings to this team. It's not just it's not just like shielding that back line, but also the, his ability to, to pass and his ability to sort of break down defenses from, you know, the top of Minnesota's box all the way to the top of the opposing team's, team's box as well. That so, goal, too, to me, really demonstrated Metinair's physicality and just yeah. how, how much better he is than people give him credit for. Because so Gregush puts a slide rule pass in, but it basically presupposes, because Metinair's actually a step behind his defender when Gregush pushes the pass around the corner. Yeah. And Metinair beats him over the course yeah. of, like, six steps. He yep. is that much faster than the defender. He gets the ball first and gets it over to Finley. Just an absolute gorgeous sequence. And both of those guys are night and day from the game before, where they they were kind of invisible the game before against RSL, um, you know. And without them, we looked, you know, even though we got the same result out of this game as we did against RSL, um, it we seemed like you know more whole team because they were they were more dominant. 
it seemed like we lucked out getting that tie against RSL. Yeah. Uh, I think both teams didn't really want to play that game. So yeah. So we so we took a two one lead into halftime, and I think that was a deserved lead. Obviously, you know th- there was lots of Colorado had a lot of chances as well. Um, you know, and we'll talk a little bit about Tyler Miller in a second here. Um, so when the second half comes out, and uh, man, Colorado comes out guns a blazing, uh, almost gets it even, gets it level within within the you know the first minute of the second half. Um, Diego Rubio hits a post. Uh, MJ. Yeah. So. Sorry, lost my place. That's the the post that Rubio hit. Well, so there was kind of an aerial from the the uh, clearance from the back line, and Aha completely misses the, the the header battle with Kai Kamara. Not surprisingly, but then he doesn't stay with Kamara. So Carl Kamara's just left floating as an open person, while three other attackers you know, rush at Metanair and Boxall. I mean, and Rubio splits Metanair and Boxall perfectly. Um, Boxall does his best to kind of close down space on Rubio. But he, at some point, he needs to know when he gets into that six-yard bo- six box to fall back to the far post to help Tyler Miller out. And instead, he ends up on the same side Tyler Miller is on the front post, and that leaves the – the back post wide open and it's just by sheer luck that that Rubio ends up hitting the post and it going out yeah watching that I couldn't believe that ball didn't go in <laughs> the way it hit off that post it was amazing um so after that you know Colorado seemed to control the match um fairly well for the next you know 15 minutes or so and then uh in the uh I believe it was the 59th minute uh Jonathan Lewis did Jonathan Lewis things Dan yeah so this was set up uh Diego Rubio uh, really tormented United throughout the game, particularly in the first part of the second half. Uh, and he danced away from Robin Lude, who kind of came in late and, and fouled him. Uh, picking up a yellow card for his trouble, probably could have earned one before that as well, but we'll count ourselves fortunate that that wasn't the case. Uh, so Rubio uh, whips in the free kick, and Minnesota actually clears it decently well, but only as far as the outside of the box. Lewis picks it up, takes a touch, and just absolutely bangs a ball past Tyler Miller. Um, tempting to say Miller did get a hand to it. So a little tempting to say that he, he might've been able to do better, but he was pretty solidly screened on the play by about three United defenders. So I think he picked up the ball late, uh, but absolutely full credit to Jonathan Lewis, just a phenomenal, phenomenal effort to keep the ball down, put it through traffic. Um, should be noted that uh, Ethan Finley had a great game going forward. Uh, with his two goals and and just being generally dangerous, he was at fault on this goal. Lewis was his man, and he didn't track yeah. him nearly well enough. Yeah, um, didn't pick him up at all. But, yeah, Lewis had been on the field, so he'd been subbed in in the 55th, and then in the 59th, put the ball in the back of the net, and then just for the rest of the game, absolutely made life miserable for the back six of United. And and he was he's probably the first player I think we've seen go up against Roman Metinair and be able to – handle him on pace and and not be afraid of the physicality either so yeah. to me that's a huge credit to Jonathan Lewis who is another player that United could have taken instead of uh Abu Dhabi. I mean no sour grapes or anything like that so no no <laughs> uh 
Um, yeah, so to, to, to your time with Miller Point, um, he had a – he didn't have a super great game. Um, he spilled a few balls uh, that were – I mean, he made, some, he made some decent saves, don't get me wrong. Um, but he still – he just looks – he still looks really tentative. So I'm a little worried about Tyler Miller. Um, I know he's a – he should be a good goalkeeper. I just – just I yeah, the, these last three games he's played have been a little suspect. So I like the to see – The one him. thing – the one thing I, I am encouraged by is he's improving. You know, he was really rocky against Sporting. He was okay against Real, but was still spilling balls. And in this game, we could talk about really nice saves, some aggressive control at the top of the box. And then, yeah, he also did spill the ball. So I'm a little bit hesitant to say that he's not going, that this is going to be what we're going to see all season. I think he was just shaking off quite a bit of rust. I, I agree, Dan. Um, the one thing with him is, he doesn't tend to catch the ball as often as he probably should. Um, he tends to punch the ball more than, like, say, last year with Manone. Uh, Manone was amazing at covering the ball. Yeah. Um, we were so used to, you know, Bobby Shuttleworth never caught the ball. <laughs> and he think- would so, so often put the ball back in play. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it, you know, and, and anything we saw after that seemed good. Bill, uh-huh. I, think that, I think that's actually like by design. Um, yeah. yeah. With, with Miller, uh, honestly, especially in Orlando, I think the ball is wet. Um, he's, he's already spilled. A, he spilled it, you know, he, as Dan alluded, you know, mentioned, like he did not look good in that Sporting Kansas City game and, and gave up a lot of rebounds. I think yeah. the whole point is if you're going to put the ball back and play, at least punch it and try and get it, you know, as far away from you as possible. Honestly, sure. I, think, I think it's by design that, that he's not trying to catch it as much, which, you know, is a little, little disconcerting, but. Nevertheless, um, there was a, uh, a kerfuffle um, in the uh, what was that the uh, seventy no in the eighty eighty fifth eighty fourth it started yeah. in about the eighty fourth yeah it was no it started in like the eighty second or whatever um, sure. there was a there was a uh, a ball went out of play for Minnesota um, uh, Nomley from Colorado decides to try and go get the ball. Um, Chase Gasper, you know, barely steps on the guy's foot, and Nomley does the uh, tries to win the, the Razzie for worst uh, dive in MLS's back tournament, uh, and uh, just absolutely loses his shit. And of course, Ozzy's involved. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened, Bill? Yeah, so master thespian there, uh, Nomley. Yeah, and he, he immediately, uh, who was it from uh, from their team? It, oh, it was is it was Abukabar. Yeah. comes rushing in and, and he, he seems to be their enforcer this year. Um, and, and rightfully so he's, like he's, he he, shit up. yeah. Yeah. And he, he's, he's intimidating and, and they he comes, he comes in cause we're, we're shoving them. And, and at first it seemed like Boxel was going to come in, but Ozzy comes from out of nowhere and right into Abacabar's face. And, uh, and, and just, you know, you can hear his Spanish just going a million miles an hour. And that's what I love about, about these games in Orlando is that, you know, it's unfiltered and well, now they have a little bit of filter, but, uh, they're not, they're not going to edit out any Spanish on us. And, uh, and you can hear it plain as day. And, uh, and it's just, you know, machine gun fired from Ozzy and he's, and and it's it's great. And then when they do break it up, he he will turn from the turn from the ref, and he will go in the opposite direction and pretend like he doesn't hear him at all. 
or turn for his yellow and, and it's it's a thing of beauty it's like right out of wrestling yeah that was great Rewatching it again today i just i was like just couldn't wait to get to like the 85th minute to, to that conversation. <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic um, we've seen it 10 times by now you know yeah yeah um so after that uh adrian heath brings on a couple of guys the offense starts to look uh potent again and then the game was over and yeah and game ends 2-2 we'll talk a little bit about the sub stuff here in a, in a second but um all in all you know the nice thing about a 2-2 draw is that we finished second in the group um we're still we have still haven't lost a match this year and uh we got actually got an extra couple of days of rest um the first place team sporting Kansas city played yesterday um rsl's playing right now as we're recording so we actually got a you know an extra day or two days depending on where we would have finished in the standing so it's not the worst thing in the world um you know it's we i think got the toughest draw um uh, with columbus and we'll talk about that in a second but is there any other um just other takeaways from this besides some of the stuff that we have here in our extra time notes no cool all right yeah um sorry i just kind of threw that one in there so let's talk about the subs um <laughs> just, yeah i just want to know what the fuck is wrong with adrian heath um yeah because yeah, you saw the energy pick up as soon as they put him in we had i think i want to say we had something like seven or eight shots on goal um in the first 86 minutes and then we had like four yeah. shots and then we had like four in like the nine minutes that the guys were on the pitch with uh when Edwards and Harris and Hairston were on the pitch, I just and it looked like we were going to score. Like, if those guys had had probably the ten more minutes, I think yeah. they would score again. Um, and it just it just it boggles my mind. And I just I I think now I've just been reading some other stuff, some of the defenders of Adrian Heath and all that, and just everybody now is just flabbergasted by the way he chooses to and, and refuses them. And I think. The most the most fuck you thing about it to me, honestly, was during that water break. Did you guys watch the watch the game um, live, or did you skip over the? So no, I the, did. They do the in person. They do the interview on the sideline. Oh. The water breaks in the first half. They did uh, uh, Robin Fraser, the the Colorado coach. Second half, um, and John. So John Champion basically asked him about like subs, and his fucking answer. This guy's fucking answer is like doesn't want to disrupt the flow of the fucking game. Yep. Fuck you. Yep. Um, Improve the flow of the game. The fucking flow of the game was terrible. There was nothing happening. It was brutal. It's just uh, I just don't understand. And yeah, I, I just I don't know. I mean, I lost for words. So, yeah, I think I think this was the game. You know, we've been talking about Inchi's sub issues for forever. Um, I think this was the game where they became undeniable because you looked at guys, the fullbacks. I mean, even Metinere, the machine, the absolute pinnacle of fitness, was tired. He yeah. should have. He should have gotten a yellow card for a, re, a foul, foul where he just pulled Jonathan Lewis back. He didn't, yeah. which was a very weird decision. Yeah. Um, but guys were dead out there. Like yeah. there was just no movement. They were mentally and physically tapped. And somehow Inchi is watching that game, going, "No, this is good. This is good. The flow here is exactly what I want," which is yeah. baffling. I mean, to to your point, David, like United had had seven attempts on goal from the 87th minute, which is the right mm -hmm. after the subs into the 90th minute mm -hmm. and like they looked amazing Raheem Edwards in particular who I think yeah. is, is is the golden boy of this podcast um just <laughs> amazing Twitter follow by the way follow him on Twitter the dude's fucking amazing on Twitter yes <laughs> oh I, all right I gotta go do that right now yeah but either way like 
he comes on and he just adds a different dimension to the game. I felt a little bad for Marlon Harrison. This was the first time we'd seen him. And he's trying to negotiate half of his teammates having legs and half of them not. Yeah. And, and it looked like he was, he was a little bit unsure of what he was doing. Raheem Edwards came in and went, everyone on this field is dead except for me. And God damn it, I will score alone if I have to. Yeah. Molino's in the 18. You know, if you're in the 18, I assume you can play. I'm I'm fine with Molino not playing just because, like, you know, you know you have another game. If you can avoid playing him, this game isn't – and that's the whole point. Like, you get to, like, the 70th minute and it's still – it's 2-2. Like, fuck it, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You have to – Yeah. You have to play – you know, you're going to have to play whomever. It's not like – it's not like we're trying to avoid fucking Germany or uh, <laughs> 2010 Spain or anything like that. We're it's fucking Columbus or uh, goddamn fucking San Jose, which our team, you know, San Jose is a team that we own over the course of the last like two years. Like, I just yeah. it doesn't matter. Get just get guys out who need a rest, right? I mean, we don't yeah. have we don't have backup defenders, right? So, um, you know, unless you pull like you know, you can pull Medner out and you can slide. Dotson back there and put you know bring in a midfield or whatever that um, just leaves Jacory Hayes, Mason Toy, and Chacon. Yeah, I mean, just, it just I don't know. Um, yeah, MJ. One thing that frustrates me is we have the, these things called assistant coaches. <laughs> in theory, assistant coaches are supposed to balance out the weaknesses of your head coach. They complement each other. So either a, you know. And Ian Fuller or uh, McCauley is not putting the bug in in Adrian's ear because they're not seeing the sub thing either. Or they are. They are mentioning this to Adrian Heath, and he just flat out ignores it. And either option is good. Adrian Heath has no weaknesses. Haven't you heard him talk about himself? Here's the thing about Adrian Heath's weaknesses. He can suck his own dick. He time at Anchor Fish and Chips and down at Brit's Pub, and he needs to go to Cecil's, and he needs to go to Jersey Mike's, and he needs to go to Subway. Wait, we don't allow him in Northeast, do we? No. (coughs) He's falling asleep on patrol. Subs is my point. We need neighborhood watch. (laughs) Um, Yeah. All right. Any any other other extra time bits you guys wanted to uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, John Champion gushing over Adrian Heath. Um, That's got to, you know, take care of each other. Yeah. I mean, he worships at him. Yeah. And my only other thought with with the subs is, you know, he's he's practicing for for penalties, you know, who to keep in for penalties. Yeah, because that will always bode well. Yeah. Running, Running at a ball with no fucking legs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dan or MJ, anything else you guys wanted to, to mention? Yeah. Um, I want to bring up something that struck me in this game. It's actually something that uh, Gresham pointed out, which is that Ethan Finley in particular and Lude to a lesser extent are not the type of scoring wingers that we typically think of in a four-two-three-one offense. Usually if you're going to do that, yeah, your, your main striker is going to be your primary goal scorer, but your wingers are also going to produce quite a few goals. Despite scoring two in this game, that is not what Ethan Finley wants to do. He wants to open up space and and let somebody else get an easy goal. Or, in the case of Matt Nair bombing down that side, then he can sort of tap it in. But it makes me wonder if that's where the weakness in the offense is. 
is having two wingers that are good in possession that move decently well, loot a little less so, but who will not look for their own shot. And I wonder if – so in that game, Molino was obviously not playing, and he's been the driving force of this offense. But he's so in and out. I mean, we know that hamstring is bad. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to me to see Inchi continue into a 4-2-3-1 when you don't have a mercurial 10 and then figure that the goals are just going to sort of show up from somewhere. So I would be really interested to see this team shift into – a 4-4-2 or just something that gave gave Amaria a strike partner because I think we all agree he was pretty bad in this game and we haven't talked about him in mm. a 2-2 a high intensity 2-2 draw yeah. where there were a million chances on both sides and we haven't talked about a striker so that's that's never a good sign I'd really I obviously Columbus isn't the game to do it but if you're gonna play two possession oriented wings uh you'd better have a pretty damn good sense of who's gonna score your goals outside of your striker because otherwise the your opponents are just going to double down, sandwich mark the striker, and say, yeah, okay, figure it out from here. Yeah. Um, there's a good reason we haven't talked about Amaria, and uh, what's that actually brings us to our next segment, the next Friday do from Minnesota. Um, I think, you know, we, we don't have to talk, spend a ton of time. I had Ethan Finley as my uh, my star of the game, and Amaria as the uh, as our shitty Friday do, um, just for precisely those reasons. He was not in this game at all. Um, you know, I don't know the uh, – if the injury happened right before the first game, like threw him off, but he has not looked good at all in this tournament. So, uh, MJ. I really like Dotson at the number 10. Obviously, Molino is better. He's more creative, more experienced. But I thought as a substitute at the number 10 spot, uh, he looked great. And, you know, he likes to attack. He's, he's, he's young, energetic. His – his field vision and decision-making are still very young, but they are good for his age. So I have Dotson as my, in this spirit of when we first saw Freddie Adu and thought he was going to be America's savior. Um, I have him as my good Freddie Adu of the game. And then I have AHA as, as, as my bad Freddie, Freddie Adu because there's no doubt in my mind that with, Brent Coleman serving suspension that AHA is the only other person we can put in that role. And at the same time, at center back, uh, in previous games, I saw him do well, both on the offensive defensive side of the, the ball. I thought this game, he looked really uh, weak on both sides of the ball. All right. Um, Dan. Um, you know, I've shouted both these guys out before, so I won't go too deep on it, but this, this to me was, what you want out of Jan Gregers and what you want out of Roman Metinair. Mm-hmm. Both of them looked absolutely excellent. Uh, my negative Freddie Adu, uh, also Amaria. Um, yeah, just completely not in the game and in a game that he should have been in. Abubakar is a really good center back. Um, so I think you can safely say that he won that matchup. But it makes me worried uh, about – Amaria's ability to find space against really top-class fullback, uh, sorry, center backs. And there are a number, particularly in the Western Conference, of guys who can just shut down an opposing striker. So, yeah. Uh, Bill? Yeah, I had, uh, I also had Finley, same as you, David. And, uh, you know, you know, I, I think when somebody scores your two goals, they, uh, they're your man of the match. Um, but they, he, uh, 
you know, he, he creates chances for other people too, though. Um, and, and he brings, he brings to our team when he plays well, we play well, it seems like. Um, and then, and then on the bad side is Lud, and it seems like he just does not have a spot on our team. Um, we still just have not found a way to put him into a spot that he works at. Um, he gives, he gives, you know, I, I hate to beat up on Chase Gasper too much because he gets nothing out of, out of Lud there. Um, uh, he gives him no support and, and, and Chasper and, and Chase Gasper's young and he needs that. Um, so he, he's my dud of the game. Right on. <clears throat> Spud right. and we can be quick about Colorado. I think we've talked more about most of these guys. Um, and uh, I, so I went with uh, Jonathan Lewis as my star and uh, Anomaly, as I mentioned, for his terrible acting job as my, uh, my shitty, my shitty Freddie Adu. Uh, MJ, who do you got? I have uh, Al Hassan Lalas Abukar. Uh, we mentioned him before. Uh, he was marking Amaria and making Amaria a non-factor for most of the game. And he distributed well on, on clearances that led to goal scoring opportunities. Um, and then for my bad, uh, I have uh, Keegan Rosenberry, the, their right back, who was trying to mark uh, Ethan Finley on both goals. And, and although the, the first goal was, was such a great flick off that uh, Gregus corner kick, which Dan already talked about, and that was just really hard to defend. But the, the, the second one, he could have done a much better job at, at following Ethan on, on his run. So I have Keegan Rosenberry. All right. Um, Bill? Yeah, I have, I have Keegan Kamara. Um, it's a little obvious, I guess. Um, he, he tends to be the guy who, who takes who takes a lot away from a lot of teams. He, he – hi, Bruce. He, uh, hey, can you go away, Bruce? <laughs> he, t- he tends to take away uh, resources when he's in the play. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the dud of their team was Bruce McGuire. So, uh, coming in and yeah, he, t- he comes into a podcast and uh, interrupts when somebody's talking. All right, Dan. Uh, Jonathan Lewis came on, scored a goal in the first five minutes he was on the pitch, and then just absolutely made life miserable for United's defender. So he's my my star of the game. And uh, my shitty Freddie Adu is Robin Fraser for not starting Jonathan Lewis. Um, I, I I don't under I sincerely don't understand. I don't understand having a player of that caliber, um, both from a technical sense and from an energy sense, and saying, yeah. Uh, I want I want 40 minutes out of this guy, not not even I'm sorry I want 30 minutes out of this guy and maybe it's a fitness thing, uh, but I, we're certainly not the only ones wondering why Jonathan Lewis isn't getting more time for the Rapids, but boy if he doesn't start seeing some minutes, uh, his rookie contract should be up fairly soon and you got to start wondering if teams will will try to poach him with the promise of hey we'll actually uh, let you start. Yeah right, God. Um... All right, so that wraps up uh, Colorado. Um, again, uh, yeah, we, we play Columbus here in a couple – and tomorrow we'll talk about that game in a second. A um, couple other uh, United news uh, rumors still. 
Um, they are still rumored to be ch chasing the 30-year-old Malian international uh, central defender, Bakaye Dibasi. Um, again, this team definitely needs some more depth on the, the back line, I think particularly at center back. <clears throat> so, you know, be an interesting, interesting signing if that actually goes through. And then, uh, you know, Reynoso. <laughs> um, who put this in the, in the document? I don't even remember. I did. Uh, okay. Reynoso, last rumor I, I read on Twitter was that he was in uh, Who Owns the Rights to Reynoso Hell. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think for where we are now, Reynoso wants to come. United wants him. His youth club is in. Boca is in. And it's his agent that thinks that they can get more money. So it's not even who owns the rights, hell, but like who has the right to say yes, hell. Interesting. All right. I last heard he's in an old BMW motorcycle with a sidecar <laughs> just outside of Albuquerque <laughs> with his spotted Labrador named Jimmy. <laughs> and he's on his way here. That's, that is awesome. All right, well, let's talk about some other MLS news. Uh, we'll talk about some like, very briefly on the games um, that happened already, and then uh, we'll take a break. So um, biggest, biggest news, um, Charlotte uh, announced – well, second biggest news. We'll talk about the, the bigger news here in a second. But Charlotte actually announced their, uh, their team name, and, of course, they did not pick uh, good Charlotte uh, SC like we had asked them to. Um, they went with um, Charlotte FC for uh, – CLT, if you look at some of their amazing crests, the CLTFC crest, which if once you see that you, it's basically, it's clit, um, if you squint hard enough, uh, and, uh, and yeah, so one of our very good friends, uh, Wes Verdine of the 551 Soccer Podcast, bought clitfc.com, and so I'm trying to figure out a way for us to make heathout.com and clitfc.com um, work together, so if you have any thoughts or ideas on that, let us know. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on, uh, on clitfc joining, the, uh, joining MLS in 2022? I feel really bad for Charlotte Independence or, uh, 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 yeah. Or bad Charlotte. Bad Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like they've been in the USL for forever. Right. And have a, have a great fan base. And yeah, they're the, the color scheme is very boring. Um, the, I mean, it's basically the same colors as the Panthers, the guy in there, the owners of the franchise. <clears throat> They're be playing at um, whatever their stadium is down there. Um, as Panther a Field. Soccer, soccer specific stadium, but, you know, we know how that goes. If you're, you know, they don't want to, why would they pay more money for something they already built, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars out of taxpayers for. <clears throat> and um, yeah, so the, the word, I mean, the word mark is actually kind of cool looking. It's just, it's very, it, it is very, uh, sad that it or hilarious that it kind of looks like it says clit but uh i know everybody in charlotte is like oh but clt is the airport code and da, 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 da. we get it that's that's the joke that that is literally the joke so bank of america stadium everyone bank of america stadium yeah that's it so yeah i mean original everything about this franchise and i feel a little bad casting this judgment on them when they haven't had a chance to kick a ball but they seem so generic I mean, their their main logo is the crown. Their word mark is actually really cool. It's also pretty well stolen from Chelsea. Their yeah. colors are exactly what the NFL franchise is. Same ownership, same stadium. This just, it, it feels like MLS 1.0, where it's like, oh, well, we got we to gotta copy American sports to be cool. If, if we've learned anything from MLS 2.0 and Liga MX, which is still the most popular soccer league here, the growth of everything else, for fuck's sake, have an identity. 
Like, yeah. be, be something. Like, we can criticize Austin nine ways to Sunday, right? Like, they did a lot of things really screwed up. Their badging is really cool. Like, they have a good visual identity. They have a fan base. They're going to be a fun team to hate. Yeah. With Charlotte, I, there's not even enough there to hate. It's just – honestly, it looks like the unlicensed soccer game you would play on computer in the 90s. Where, oh, yeah. like, sure. it, they didn't have the right to say Manchester United, and so it's like, Manchester Unity. And <laughs> it's, a, it's a red thing. Like, it's just a crown. It's a blue crown, and we're supposed yeah. to – you just, there's nothing to get excited about. So yeah. I, I hope that they figure out how to put together a great culture. I hope the supporters there prove me completely wrong. But from where they are right now, they are generic as hell. And I can't even get excited about hating them. Yeah. Um, and probably the, the biggest news, at least uh, <clears throat> most schadenfreude uh, Freud, uh, e for the uh, folks up here in Minnesota is uh, Frank DeBoer is out as Atlanta United's manager. <clears throat> um, he, what? Heath is out? No, 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 DeBoer out. Um, oh, I heard you wrong. I'm God. Yeah. Don't do that to me. DeBoer, who 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 win the U.S. Open Cup and the Campiones Cup. Yeah, he but he was there for about a year and a half. Um, he won, won two cups. Won some hardware. Um, was a was a crazy Nick DeLeon performance from going back to the MLS Cup uh, for a second year in a row. Um, I think people forget that, like Nick DeLeon play out of his goddamn mind for Toronto last year in yeah. the playoffs and uh, kept and, and, you know, prevented Atlanta from going to defend their title um, from the year before. So, but we've been hearing, I mean, DeBoer was an interesting hire when he was hired, especially mm-hmm. considering the, um, uh, you know, Hispanic flavor of the team that their, their sort of desired way that they're, you know, uh, putting together a, a squad um, they wanted to attack. DeBoer is more of a possession-based uh, manager. It was just he was a weird he was a weird hire, and apparently he's just he has, had lost the uh, had lost the dressing room. So, do you guys have any uh, any other any gloating you want to do about Frank DeBoer? No, other than if Charlotte changed their name right now to Ajax, Charlotte Ajax, and hired him, maybe they'd do all right. Because <laughs> he seemed to do fine when he coached at Ajax. Every other place he coached at. Not so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah the the four week stint he had at Crystal Palace. Yeah, <laughs> outstanding. He uh he was such the wrong fit for that job, and yeah. and it was it was so obvious, especially in this tournament. I I think Joseph Martinez papered over a lot of cracks, right? Like when he's sitting there scoring goals for fun, it's pretty easy to say, well, they could have been better, but they won six one anyway, so it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah, but they he was not getting the most out of P.T. Martinez or Ezekiel Barco. Uh, and it's been really interesting. You know a situation has gone toxic when the day the guy is gone, every soccer reporter that has a source inside that clubhouse has not just, oh, well, he lost the clubhouse, but a different story about how he had lost them. Yeah. And from, from what yeah. I can gather, everybody hated that dude. He shipped off like all their attacking talent <laughs> outside Joseph Martinez. Um, a, guy, a guy we're going to talk about in a second, Darlington Nadby, uh, Gonzalez Perez, Julian Gressel to DC United. It was, it was, it was amazing. So. Julian Gressel would be the one guy that probably could fit into his system, right? The the best, and they give him to DC United. Yeah. Why we couldn't have got him? I don't know. I don't know because Adrian Heath. That's always the answer. Um, all right. So the other big, uh, other sort of big news is uh, the Athletic um, reported uh, Jeff Reuter and, and I believe it was Sam Stasekel, um doing the reporting on it. Uh, 
MLS has has sort of floated a plan um, for a post-tournament um, resumption of the season. So let's I'll, I'm going to get briefly go over the, the the main points, then we'll talk about how this is why this is a terrible fucking idea, particularly related to baseball. Um, <laughs> so in this and sort of the plan that was leaked, Nash, so National Dallas obviously did not play in the tournament, so they need to make up three matches. So they're probably going to play each other three times um, to get caught up in terms of number of games played. Uh, the Canadian teams, because you can't travel to Canada or you need to spend you know two weeks in Canada quarantine before you can uh, do anything in Canada, they're just going to go back to Canada and play each other for a few weeks, um, hoping that uh, the three Canadian teams, hoping that in sometime in September that Canada will lift that um, that ban on or that quarantine uh, <laughs> you know, ban that they have. Um, it'll be 18 total matches over about 11 weeks, nine home, nine away in market. If fans are allowed based on local ordinances, they'll be allowed in the stadiums for games. So, you know, the places that are most affected <clears throat> probably won't have fans, but you know, it is fucking Florida and Texas. So who the hell knows? Um, and then nine playoff teams will be in each conference. Uh, the playoffs would start on the 20th of November. The final would be on the 12th of December, which would probably make it the coldest game ever in, in MLS history if Minnesota hosts the final on the 12th. But again, yeah. this is never going to happen because of uh, COVID. So you guys have any thoughts on that or, any, or, uh, or martial law? Idea. <laughs> What's that? Or martial law kicks in. And... Yeah, fair enough. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess my biggest thing is like, it's just, it's, that's, I don't, I can't imagine how this is actually going to happen based on what we're seeing with, with Major League Baseball. If you're not familiar, if you're not watching baseball, um, the uh, Marlins just had 12 people test positive. 14. 14. Um, I think 10 players, four coaches. Uh, they just played a series with the Phillies. Um, Marlins didn't actually, they were up in Philadelphia. They refused to fly home because they were worried that they might pass covid uh onto their families and stuff on sunday night so their game was canceled uh home opener was canceled tonight philly was supposed to play new york their game was canceled because they need to get testing um and major league baseball lasted four days um so that was cool uh yeah nice. I, just, I don't i just can't imagine how this this season will actually happen i think this tournament is going to be it and that'll be fine whatever but i just can't imagine how um they'll try and finish the season Let's put it this way. We haven't finished this tournament yet. That's true. I think they're pretty much to the point now where it's like, it's going to get done. Um, yeah. Well, and they've had no cases in either of the last two rounds no. of testing. So, I mean, as much as we were, we were critical of the bubble. Yeah. Once they got Nashville and Dallas out, they've but really our, been fine. But our criticism wasn't just, you know, they're going to get coronavirus. It was, right. it was, you know, why are we doing this when other people can't get tests back within a week? You know, what message does it send to people outside of this? You know, yada, yeah, yada, that's, yada. That's been the big overarching criticism with this, with NBA, um, with their bubble too. Um, you know, and so, I don't know, just I can't imagine how we're going to get sports played in market. Um, you know, yeah. baseball, football, college football, um, all those other and football has so many more people, you know. Yeah, baseball at least is like somewhat socially distant, but yeah. I don't know if you saw the, the video of, uh, I think it was Anthony Rizzo on the Cubs, like he had a hand sanitizer in his back pocket. So anytime someone got to first base, he would like pull out his hand sanitizer and give him a little hand sanitizer. <laughs> Great. They should have a little pump next to 
in that, in that game, so Sunday when the Phillies were playing the Marlins, um, after they you know said it was Saturday night that or Sunday morning or Saturday night when they uh, announced that they had all these tests. Um, literally, when the Phillies got on base, they were wearing face masks to run around the bases because they were worried about catching COVID from somebody in the, on the Marlins who was maybe asymptomatic. So, but barring, yeah, I just don't know. This is, seems like a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah. But yeah, to your point about football and college football and MLS, I guarantee all of those leagues are staring right at Philadelphia right now, waiting to find out if we yeah. had our first on-field transmission of COVID. If they didn't, if they dodged that bullet, they're going to keep going until somebody gets it through uh, through an on-field transmission right, yeah. sequence. But yeah. man, just think about how many billions of dollars are currently hanging on whether any Philly tests positive and their tests are in or or, or are in the lab right now. So we'll find out in the next like day or two, but there are, there are a whole lot of eyes very, very curious about those tests. Yeah. I think this says something about American culture and that we are optimists and we are opportunists and we look for ways to make a buck, if you will. And those tend to be positive things, except in a pandemic, you should be making policies and making decisions based on worst case scenarios rather than best case scenarios. The most uh, uh, enterprising or most opportunistic uh, choice isn't the best one. Yeah, to the, the policy point, MLB produced a 113-page document detailing what people should do in various situations and yada 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 and somehow the marlin situation wasn't covered no wow and the team was allowed to decide whether they played or not and they took a vote by a group text and like uh, i'm a big technology person but um that's that's dumb and shitty (laughs) yeah well speaking of worst case scenarios uh somehow all three canadian teams uh made it to the round of 16 and within 24 hours, all three Canadian teams were not in the round of 16 anymore. As it um, should be. <laughs> yeah, so this is already America's had, game, damn it. Yeah, we've already had, four, we've already had four, four games played so far. Uh, we have two that are going on. Uh, one going on right now, one going on later tonight. So Orlando City beat Montreal 1-0. Uh, Philadelphia beat the New England Revolution 1-0. NYCFC uh, thrashed Toronto 3-1. And Sporting Kansas City beat the Vancouver Whitecaps 0-0, uh, 3-1 on penalties. Um, you guys, anything you want to say about any of these uh, these terrible games? Yeah, well, Orlando finally has their first real coach, so that's nice to see. Only took them like twelve years. Yes, someday we will have our first real coach, but yeah. they finally got theirs. Are, are you saying Adrian? He, uh, never mind. That was the I'm joke. Not, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. Joke. I just made a comment. Something on the goddamn joke. Um. Anything to say about so Jason Jason Christ? Anyone? What? Yeah, yeah, no. So I was gonna watch the sporting Kansas City Vancouver Whitecaps match, and then I realized that I don't want to watch shitty soccer, and so I just got high and watched like season six of Archer last night instead. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about this match. Apparently, it was entertaining. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite moment yeah. was when Huang Imbom gets the ball and carries it, splits two defenders, carries it down to the right-hand corner because that's the space he had. And then he's waiting for an opponent to cut 
as he's getting sandwiched by two defenders, he's waiting for someone to cut in between the two defenders because he has a passing lane there. He can dump the ball. No one's making that cut. It was like the most Robin Lud moment of, of the entire game is like, oh, look, he has space. He did a couple good things, you know, but he's not going to do it on his own. You know, he's not going to split those two defenders on his own and carry the ball towards the net. No one's cutting for him. That dude, that dude is wasted in Vancouver. Put it, put it this yeah, way, that, Dave. That's not just because of his drinking habits. I mean, he's... Nothing really happened in the match until, you know, penalties. Okay. So you didn't old, miss it. You didn't miss anything. The only reason nothing happened in the match was because uh, Thomas uh, Hassal absolutely stood on his head. And yeah. uh, it was reminiscent of a performance we talked about a couple weeks ago. Britt Eckerstrom for the Portland Thorns, who was also their third string keeper, called into duty because of a couple of injuries. Yeah. Absolutely standing on her head to knock out the courage. Uh, the Thorns are a notably more talented squad than Vancouver. That was the uh, that was the big takeaway from this game for me. Yeah. Was Vancouver's just bad. I mean, yeah. uh, MJ's point about uh, Huang and Baum getting in some really interesting positions. Uh, Jordy Reyna did the same thing. Like, Jordy. good Maisie run, and then all of a sudden into the attacking third, and it's him and six sporting Kansas City defenders. Like, what do you want? What do you want the guy to do? Like, go full Maradona? I mean, it just wasn't going to happen. So there was no cohesiveness in their attack. Sporting, I think Sporting had 22 first half shots. Uh, <laughs> so it's just an absolute shooting gallery. And Hassal made probably yeah. a half dozen. He made eight saves in the game, and probably a full half dozen of them were jaw-dropping or extremely unlikely saves. Uh, kid is 21. He's a, he will be a full Canadian international, which means Maxime Cripeau is his incumbent goalkeeper on both the national team and his club team, which <laughs> means if I'm Thomas Hassall after that performance, I'm not letting Cripeau anywhere near me because he's going to stab me in the kid. <laughs> so Thomas Hassan is the perfect guy that Manny would go out and sign. After one game. <laughs> Hassal? Hassal. He would. He'd go sign him. <clears throat> so, I mean, to uh, be fair, it was, it was two games because he also yeah. shut out Chicago, which is That's notably right, yeah. less impressive. But yeah. uh, There's a reason why they were in, the, uh, in that game because they, yeah, they beat Chicago. So, um, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, so we have, uh, we'll have some quarterfinal matches coming up later this week. Uh, Philadelphia and Sporting Kansas City will play on, uh, <clears throat> on the 30th. Uh, Orlando and whoever wins tonight's match between Seattle and LAFC uh, will play on the 31st. And then NYCFC will play the winner of uh, Portland and FC Cincinnati, which is playing tomorrow night after our match. And then uh, the winner of this match right now, San Jose and RSL, is going to play the winner of our match with Columbus. So, um, so yeah, so we have some you know, interesting matches to look forward to. Uh, we'll talk all about that um, you know, later. <clears throat> but we're going to take a break right now, and then when we come back, we'll talk Madison, Minneapolis City, NWSL, and preview the Columbus match. Uh, stay tuned. Be right back. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to. But we both know I can't do nothing at all. Oh, yeah. And we're back. Uh, so that was MLS. We're going to talk a little bit about um, some other soccer, and then we're going to jump into our Columbus uh, crew preview. Um, so four Madison actually had their first game, uh, on over the weekend. They lost to North Texas, uh, two to one down in Texas. Um, we turned the, I turned that we were at the, the Blackheart watching the, watching the MLS game and, uh, turned that one on. And 
uh, turned to a Western to me. He's like, wait, are there people at that game? I was like, dude, it's fucking Texas. Of course there's people at that game. Um, not a ton of people. Um, Wojcic Wojcik, uh, scored the, the lone goal for Madison. Um, you might remember him from Indy 11 fame. Um, USL star Wojcic Wojcik. Um, but yeah, so Madison uh, plays this weekend. I can't remember. I didn't even look up who they're playing. They're playing again, I think their first home game, which is not actually at home, but it's in uh, Wauwatosa, uh, Wisconsin, in between, pretty much halfway between Milwaukee and Madison, is in two weeks. So that's Madison. Um, MJ, you have a little bit on Minneapolis City. They came out with some killer kits for their Minneapolis Futures League. They're doing four teams all based on Minneapolis neighborhoods. Uh, there's the Northeast Wanderers. They're and those, that's the only one that – oh, the Riverside, the Riverside Rovers that was going to be an East Bank or West Bank. The great part about – they partnered with a designer whose name is blanking on me right now that uh, picked different visual aspects of the neighborhoods and incorporated into the logos. And then they partnered with Concept Kits in the U.K., to do the kits and they're all just fucking gold. Yeah, they're, they're quite good. The Riverside one is actually great. It's that they take it based on the, the tower that's on Riverside there. Um, and then sort of extrapolate it from there. The, the, the very Piet Mondrian-esque yeah. uh, high rise. And they originally called them the East Bank Wanderers or Rovers. And then uh, someone's like, well, that's actually on the West Bank. And then a, uh, another fellow soccer fan, uh, John McCullough, it's like, well, actually, technically, that's Riverside. And so they originally put out a poll saying, should we change the name, East Bank, West Bank, and then, you know, right in, and then they added the Riverside to that. And Riverside Rovers won, like, in a landslide. I think there was, like, maybe four or five votes for not Riverside, but everybody. So that's that's pretty cool. Talk about a club yeah. um, uh, reacting to their fans and, and engaging with the fans. Um, something our local soccer club could uh, also learn from. All right. Um, NWSL Challenge Cups. So last we, uh, we, we potted. Uh, the semifinals had not yet happened. The Dash beat the Thorns one to nothing. Uh, Red Stars of Chicago uh, beat Sky Blue FC three to two. And in the final, which took place on Sunday, the Dash beat the Red Stars two to nothing. Um, Christy Mewis uh, winning a penalty in the fifth minute, I believe, of the game. Uh, so the Dash went up early and uh, hung on. Um, Red Stars played a, a pretty valiant game in the final. Um, just didn't have anything that could break down what the Dash were doing. Uh, do you, either you guys have, uh, or you guys have any other thoughts on uh, on the NWC, either the semifinals or the final? Uh, you know, on the not so much on those two games. Um, I will say that my team made it further than any of you schmucks. So, uh, congratulations to me on that. Uh, I'm just saying <laughs> my team beat Texas's team. My team uh, also beat your team. Uh, and your team, Dan, and uh, scored more goals than any other team. So Yeah, well, only one team went to the final, and that was mine. Uh, <laughs> and the less said about the final, the better, because <laughs> Chicago, man, they, they, their attack is just not in shape yet. And, and I get that it's a lot of new acquisitions, and replacing Sam Kerr was never going to be possible. But a little bit, like I said, with Vancouver, they kept ending up with, like, one player in an interesting position, and no one there supporting them. It's never a good sign. But tournament as a whole – I think was phenomenally successful for, for the league. Um, the numbers on CBS were very, very solid. Um, 
nothing to compare it to, unfortunately, because no one had ever broadcast women's club soccer in the U.S. before over the top. So, uh, hey, record setting. Um, but I, the numbers were good enough that all of the analysis I saw, not from sports people, from TV people, was these are these are eye-catching numbers. These are change the way that you think about this event numbers. And from the league, they said they've had expansion interest that has popped up since the tournament started. Um, we can hope they didn't say anything more than that, but I think we can all dream that it was it was from Minnesota. I think that's a, a big missing piece for us. But you know, women's soccer does better in the U.S. than it does almost anywhere else in the world because of how good the national team is. But club really hasn't caught on here, and I think this tournament was so well run. The players were so committed to making sure that it happened that it really did serve as a great positive advertisement for the league. And I think they really will reap the benefits of it. Um, so just a huge kudos to, to all the players and all the, the support and, and the, the league staff that was involved. This was a, a huge amount of effort. And I think it, it has already paid off. Yeah. <clears throat> and CBS picked really good people for both the studio and in-game commentary. I, I really was, uh, I mean, you have to go back to when ESPN uh, did, a, did a Women's World Cup with Ian Dark and Julie Foudy when I was really, really happy with the way a women's soccer tournament uh, was covered from the, the personnel that was hired. So I was really happy with that as well. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Yeah, and to that point, we didn't actually, we, I just wasn't, I didn't, I just threw in the rundown now and we can maybe talk about, talk about it more next week. Um, but what was announced was the uh, Los Angeles expansion bid. Uh, Angel, they're calling it Angel City right now. Um, headlined by Natalie Portman, um, a few other um, uh, uh, Serena Williams' husband, uh, Alexis Ohanian. Oatana, I don't know. I don't even know. Ohanian, Alexis Ohanian. Ohanian, uh, tech uh, entrepreneur. The guy started Reddit, so he deserves to probably die a painful death for that. Um, and, uh, and, and it, 14 or 15 former U.S. women players. Um, it's just a, a who's who of, of women's soccer um, running this team. <clears throat> they are, Mia Hamm is, is also an investor. She's obviously an investor in LAFC. There's not any, they have not a, sort of identified any official uh, um, co-branding or anything like that, but I imagine they'll probably, there'll probably be some, some, some sort of symbiotic relationship. But it'd be really cool to see um, a independent women's team that's not associated with, uh, you know, owned by a, a male sports franchise uh, and do the things they can on its own with also like taking advantage of, you know, where they can with uh, to sort of help save costs. But um, that's, you know, that's a pretty significant investment in terms of like capital in terms of, you know, what, uh, who's, you know, who's bringing it, bringing it to the fold. So and yeah, if we can get, you know, it'd be great to see a Minnesota team. I, I'm not holding my breath for any stretch of the, you know, um, imagination. But uh, yeah, so that was, that's pretty cool. Any, you guys have anything, any other thoughts on Angel City or NWSL generally? I just want to say hats off to our friends in the plastics, in the, especially the, the LA fans in, that are involved with the plastics. Seeing on Twitter, LA Galaxy and LAFC fans come together and saying that this women's team is a good thing and trying to form a supporters group and then just having the broiest of soccer bros get all stupid tribal about about it on how LA Galaxy you know women LA Galaxy fans shouldn't be joining forces and cheering on efforts of 
women LAFC fans and stuff and stuff about a women's team. He's like, it's the only women's team in town. Like, this isn't that hard. Support it for crying out loud. But uh, I was I was really proud to see the the plastics and and their sisters kind of stand up and, and join forces on this. Makes me happy. Yep. All right, let's talk about the upcoming game, Columbus, uh, the Columbus Crew, um, three and all in the tournament, uh, nine points, seven goals scored, uh, none allowed. Um, everybody's saying, including including Adrian Heath, that they are the champions right now. We're gonna crown their asses. Um, they're <laughs> not even sure. Uh, they are who we thought they were. Yeah. Um, so Columbus <clears throat> is the favorite, uh, plus 105. Minnesota is plus 235 to win. Draws plus 255. Over-unders, two and a half goals, uh, with the over being even and the under being minus 125. So I think this is the – Vegas predicts this to be a low-scoring match. Um, all right, so who's good uh, on Columbus? And let's start with the obvious one, and we'll start with Bill. Well, yes, he uh... – Zardis is, you know, he's been around forever and uh, we all know who he is. He's played on the U S national team for a long time. He played out it for the galaxy for a long time. And now he's played uh, in Columbus for a few years now. And uh, we know he scores goals. We know he uh, stretches defenses so that they have to stay back and, uh, and, and he can push them back and uh, keeps them honest. Yeah. He's really been revitalized under Caleb Porter. Yeah. Uh, Three goals in the tournament so far. Um, yeah. Um, Dan, who do you got? Uh, you know, we, we touched on his name a little earlier with uh, Frank DeBoer's baffling transfer strategy. But Darlington Nagby is the, the straw that stirs the drink, to borrow one of my favorite Englishisms. Uh, center, center midfielder, uh, just an absolute monster in possession, really elite ball progression. And you can really see – in Atlanta's offense, what he brings almost by his absence. I mean, they, they really struggle to connect their defense to their attack. Um, and it's something that we saw uh, with Minnesota United without Ozzy, too. Uh, so he, he's sort of that powerhouse six. Um, he pushed up a little bit further into the attack, which really helps Columbus recycle possession. They just get a lot of bites at the apple. Uh, and now with Zardes actually being able to finish with Zellerayan, who we'll touch on in a second, it's he's even more potent because they are good at scoring. If you give them one good opportunity, but Nagby so often turns one good opportunity into two or three good opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Uh, MJ. I really like uh, Jonathan Mensa uh, at center back and coming in for the injured Eloy room from Curacao at goalkeeper, uh, goalkeeper, Andrew Tarbell. Uh, has posted a couple clean sheets, looked really solid back there as, as a young goalkeeper. And just a reminder that their third goalkeeper behind Andrew Tarbell is a guy by the name of Matt Lapson. Mm. Yeah. Matty Lapson. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, those are great. Um, you know, the, uh, the two other guys who scored, so Columbus has scored seven goals. Um, Zardes has three. The other two guys uh, who've scored, uh, Zellerayan and Jonas Mokhtar. Um, Mokhtar is probably out for this game. Um, it most likely looks like Artur will be in the midfield, but um, he has actually been uh, a you know, pretty aggressive midfielder as well. And then Zellerayan is just – he may have the goal of the tournament uh, from his free kick in the FC Cincinnati game. Was it the FC Cincinnati? Or was it yeah. the Red Bulls game? Uh, FC Cincinnati. No, Cincinnati. Um, he's been – and we, you know – uh, Dan, I think you kind of alluded to him um, 
when we were talking about Grey Goose uh, back at the beginning of the podcast, you know, Zeldran and his free kicks and what he can do is, is you know, if Grey Goose can fire at the, the, on those cylinders, then we're going to have a really, really good attack. Um, Zeldran has kind of, he's come in, um, holy shit, this RSL game, RSL San Jose game is fucking bonkers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't wait for you guys to, to yeah, I'm trying to not look at that. Um, so yeah, um, all right. That's good. We, so Columbus has a lot of good players. Um, obviously, we've identified, you know, six or seven or eight of their uh, their starters here. Uh, who sucks on Columbus? Hold on. I want to pull out one more thing about Zeller because I think yeah. it's relevant. We talked about Zardes' finishing being a lot better. I think part and parcel of that is teams are less willing to foul him. They're having to sit further back, which allows him more, more time and space. And one big criticism of his game is that he, um, he needs a little bit of time to get his shot up. That is because of Zeller because teams are so unwilling to foul him near the box, he gets a better run in. So I think having Zellerion, he's an attacker in and of himself, not just as a free kick weapon, but he's phenomenal off the dribble. But he has then in turn made Zardes that much better. Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. <clears throat> um, all right, MJ, uh, who sucks on Columbus? Well, I don't like left back uh, Milton uh, Valenzuela. They subbed him out pretty early in their last game. And who they brought in for the injured uh, Mokhtar, uh, Derek Etienne, who played 90 minutes in, in their, their, their previous game, uh, the, a very strong game against uh, New York Red Bulls. And Etienne looked, looked good there, but he's just so inconsistent. He, he, he provides assists in that New York Red Bulls game. He came in on – against Atlanta and he was turnover city. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Dan. So uh, Zardes is obviously their main striker. Their backup striker is a familiar foe for United <laughs> fans in Fernando Adi. Uh, Adi had three straight seasons as the lead striker in Portland, uh, scoring double digit goals a season. Uh, big body dude just absolutely takes out defenders. He's really hard to, to, uh, to mark up. Towards the end of his tenure in Portland, uh, that relationship had soured. So he was the, the very high-priced acquisition for Cincinnati's expansion season uh, and then just completely fell off a cliff there and then also sort of burned that bridge. Now, given what we know about uh, FC Cincinnati's coaching situation, that may actually speak well of him, uh, considering their coaches, the coaches at the time were fucking losers. Uh, but he's now, uh, he's now landed back with Caleb Porter uh, in in. Columbus, but just has not regained that form. Uh, it's been over 750 minutes since, or he has one goal in his last 750 minutes, let's put it that way. Um, and he just doesn't, he's still an incredibly big bodied player. He's still hard to mark up, but he looks like he's lost a little bit of the technical chops that he had where he could score quickly on the turn. So if he's, if he's coming into the game, it's probably late. He's probably, uh, you know, there to kind of kill off clock. But let's say Zardes gets hurt and he subs on. He's just not the type of attacking threat he used to be. Yeah. Um, you know, the I talked a little bit about um, uh, Mokhtar being sort of a, a, that midfielder. Artur, he, he took the place of Artur. Um, Artur has just been um, kind of just really sort of falling off a cliff in terms of his contributions to, um, to the team. Um, two, 2017, three assists, uh, two assists in 2018, zero assists last year. Um, he has one assist in 
uh, 379 minutes this year. Um, for a guy who was, you know, hyped up pretty well the last couple of years, has really just not shown much of anything in terms of um, what he can provide. And that's saying a lot because he's actually, you know, most – a lot of ML teams would be super happy to take a guy like Artur in their midfield. Um, and uh, the fact that he's, you know, one of the sort of crappiest players on Columbus on uh, their starting lineup is, uh, says a lot about Columbus. So, um, so how should we – how should Minnesota United play, play these guys, Dan? I think the big thing for me is keeping the attackers in front of you. Uh, if you let Zardes move off the shoulder, if you let Zellerion go past you horizontally, at that point you're reaching, you're going to foul, and that just gives them uh, a dead ball opportunity that they've been absolutely lethal on. Uh, so a lot of this is going to be about organization and not over-pursuing. And given what we have said about Chase Gasper for the last two hours uh, and then the previous eight weeks before that, that's not his giftedness. So um, I look for, for Columbus to attack down that left-hand side I'm sorry, yeah, down the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's going to be on Lude to have all of his veteran savvy to know, I can't foul. If they're going past me, yell help. And it's going to be on Gasper to, to keep his head, which, again, is not a giftedness that he typically has. So uh, this matchup does not favor United. Uh, but the, the more that they can keep the attackers in front of them and passing horizontally instead of dribbling horizontally, the better off they'll be. Um, I mean, I, I 100% agree with you on, on not overcommitting, um, <clears throat> which is not great considering we have Chase Gasper and we saw what just happened with Michael Boxall and not overcommitting uh, on a, <clears throat> on a uh, breakaway or, or turnover. Um, or with, Jose uh, Aha, for that matter. Yeah, at Aha. Yeah. Um, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that in, in a second here. Um, but I, I think in terms of – this is actually a team that Minnesota – I mean, we haven't had great success against Columbus. I think we only have one win um in our history against them however they really do like to control possession and minnesota definitely is a team that doesn't want to have possession of the ball and i don't think caleb porter and columbus is going to try and change the way they play to uh play you know play against minnesota they're going to want to do play their their game plan they're going to control possession they try to lull teams into complacency um really get them to overcommit and then exploit that um where those holes pop up what the overcommitment is. So really, I think I hundred percent agree with you. We need to be super disciplined, but if this team is disciplined um, and Molino's playing well, um, we can counter, I think, against this team. Now, like their midfield is tough. It's not going to be an easy game, um, but I think there's an opportunity for us to, to play the kind of game that Minnesota wants to play, which is allow the other team to have the ball, stay in your shape, um, don't overcommit and, uh, and just pounce kind of like we did against LAFC last year. Um, you know, scoring two goals from just crazy, crazy against the run of play. That is, I think, the game plan that Minnesota is going to need to have uh, for this game. So, uh, MJ, you kind of have the same same thoughts? Yeah, just this is perfect because based on what Dan and David had said, stay back, keep people in front of you, wait to counter. I, when we do get a chance to counter, I, I like our chances – their center backs are strong. I think they're weak on their fullbacks. So exploit width, make sure that we use the entire width of the field. And then kind of like we finally started to see in this last game, make these diagonal runs in, you know, whether that's a Grey Goose, whether that's a Molino or a Dotson or a Finley, when someone gets it on the wing, make these runs for that like diagonal 
pass back. So we don't have to cross all the time. You know, the, if, if we can counter and, and make these short passes in dangerous areas, use the width to, to open up the center. And so often we use the width to open up the center and no one's cutting, cutting to the center. So if we can do more what we saw in the last game, we can get some goals. Uh, Bill. Yeah. Um, so one of our biggest problems has been consistency in marking, um, especially, um, you know, not just on set pieces, but on, on attacks and uh, both AHA and, and Boxel will drift and not be aware of, you know, what the, what the fullbacks out on the edges are, are picking up for them or what Ozzy's picking up for them. And if we can consistently, you know, do that, that's, you know, that's the one thing we can do to cut down their, their, their offense. Um, we're not going to, we're not going to have the possession, which is funny because, you know, Adrian Heath coming in, that was his whole thing was possession. Um, we're kind of not in, we're not actually doing the things that Adrian Heath wants to be doing. We are a counterattack team. And, uh, so, um, yeah, we, we take that when we can get it and it's, it's not going to be, we're not going to have a million chances, but when we do get it, we gotta, we gotta strike. Yeah. So who would you guys start up top? I thought, uh, I thought David's point about the LAFC game is prescient. And that was obviously the Mason toy coming out party. We didn't see a lot from Luis Amaria. Uh, and this team has looked its best with Aaron show and felt on the field. So who would you guys start up top? I, I still think you got you got to start on Marie up top. Um, I do too. Healthy. I think you know Schoenfeld has we've looked the best with Schoenfeld on on the pitch, um, but Schoenfeld is not. Schoenfeld is a, is a third string uh, striker, and, and you know he can yeah. he can do a job, um, which is fine. That's great, and you need you need guys who can do the job that Schoenfeld does, which is hold up play. You know if, if Schoenfeld is playing up up top with another striker, um, as you know, in a four-four-two, Dan, for example, I think that makes that makes slightly more sense. But as we know, Adrian Heath is not going to change up his format, or his formation. He's going to play a four-two-three-one. If that's the case, um, I think it's got to be Amory up top. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, Adrian Heath is as predictable as can be. Um, there were two years ago he wasn't, but um, I think last year really firmed up his predictability. Um, and and Amaria deserves that start I think um yeah so he had a bad match um we don't we don't know what his physical condition is um but if especially if Molino's back I mean boy we saw you know those first two games you know how great their chemistry is together that if if we can get them back back in this match that we have something and they haven't played together in this tournament no I mean a little bit in that second game but for like 45 minutes yeah. Right. So, so I don't I don't disagree with any of the points that you made. I still think Heath will start uh, Schoenfeld. I'll tell you why. Because one thing that Schoenfeld does do better than Amaria is act as an outlet for that counter. Uh, he bodies up striker uh, defenders really really well and can hold up the ball. So if Molino, if the if we think we're going to score goals by Molino picking up the ball in the midfield and dribbling past sort of a. a depleted defense that has pushed up into the attack for possession 
somebody's got to be there with the ball already. And I think that's something that Schoenfeld does do better than Amaria. So I would not at all be surprised to see Schoenfeld start this game, particularly if uh, we think we're going to get set pieces because Schoenfeld has a just big fucking head. I, I like what you say, Dan, and I agree that also with Schoenfeld being a former Columbus Crew player and demonstrating that he has really great chemistry with both Lud and Ethan Finley, that he's a great pick to start and to have Amaria off the bench. But I think Heath is predictable and he's set in his ways and he likes his guys. And I think Amaria is going to get the start. And I don't have a problem with that. But I I do like uh, Schoenfeld's chemistry with, with our attacking wings. Patron Heath. I just, I just don't think Schoenfeld is anywhere near a starter on any no. team in MLS. No, and I would certainly agree with that, but uh, neither was Angelo Rodriguez, and Lord knows we saw plenty of him. Yeah. So, uh, probably a more pressing question, Dan, and something you, you threw into our outline here, is who plays center back with uh, Michael Boxall? Um, what's uh, your question? So, you, you get the first, first shot at the answer. Yeah. Um, you know, Heath, Heath was cycling Boxy and, and Coleman for a good portion of last year. Um, it was not at all a given on any given day, particularly uh, until about halfway through the season that the, the center back pairing was going to be Opara and Boxall. Um, if you guys remember, Boxy had a horrible game against Toronto and found himself riding pine for quite a while. So I think, I think Keith really does like uh, Brent Coleman and Coleman does a pretty solid job at center back. I think throwing him into this game, uh, not being in game shape is probably a bridge too far. Uh, so I think I think Ahad does probably get the start, but how surprised would you be to start seeing Brent Coleman getting serious minutes if United were to, to win this game? I mean, I would not be surprised at all. <clears throat> I think you're right. I think Aha gets the start in this one, but yeah, if they if they progress um, and Coleman gets a gets a few more practices with with you know with Boxall and with the with the back line, I could easily see Boxel getting the start in the uh, in the, ne- in the next round. So, I'll go one step further. I wouldn't be surprised if Coleman gets minutes in this game. If Aha looks shaky at all, maybe Heath uses that fourth or fifth sub. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this could be a scenario in which there's no way Heath would make him as part of a three sub but does make him because he knows he has those spares and he's never, ever going to use them. Yeah. I, I think that one possibility is that he might bring Coleman in late in the game if we have a lead and leave Aha in and change the form, formation to a, you know, like a 3-5, you know. Or just fucking play from the start. <laughs> I don't know. Do something mm-hmm. fucking good. All right, uh, so who wins? Um, who's going? Who's advancing out of the round of 16 into the quarterfinals? Um, let's go Dan first. Yeah, uh, I hate to be the naysayer, but I think Columbus wins this game. So if I to answer to how are we betting this, I'm going to take Columbus straight up uh, parlayed with the under. I think Minnesota does keep its shape very well, uh, but there's just enough cracks in it that, that – uh, Columbus gets at the one or maybe two goals they need to advance. Uh, Dan, or sorry, Bill. 
I'll be Dan. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Dan. Um, I think Columbus has it, and uh, I don't I don't think they win by much. I think they win by a goal. All right. But, uh, uh, MJ, I think Columbus has it. I take the over. I say Columbus wins three two. All right, you dumb sons of bitches. I have to do this. I was gonna pick Columbus too, but gotta have someone pick Minnesota United in this. In this yeah. Yes. I'm going to say Minnesota wins it uh, 2-2 on PKs or uh, in penalties because um, why the fuck not? So you think Amaria is going to make a PK, huh? I think so, yeah. Maybe get <laughs> right. Shonzo gets a start. Amaria comes on late and he's – He won't have a Robin, Robin Lud there to put in the the, the, <laughs> the rebound. No, that's that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Shit. Uh, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by it, though. I'm going to stand by it. Um, all right, so that's, uh, that's it. We get Columbus coming up. Um, if we win, we will play on Saturday, uh, the August 1st, and we'll figure out a – if we do win on tomorrow, we'll figure out a, a podcast to, to preview that game. But according to most of, the, of us here, and honestly, me included, I don't think we're going to have to be worrying too much about recording a podcast later this week. So um, prove us wrong, Minnesota United. Prove us fucking wrong. Um, all right. Strong Adrian Heath. Yeah, Professor Wrong Adrian Heath. God damn it. You know, it'd be nice to actually like have a you know a, a consistently good soccer team that we, you know I want Adrian Heath to succeed because I want this team to succeed. Yes. And if we don't win, Heath out. Yeah, right. I mean it's always it's always Heath out, but especially if we don't win. So um and it's a heathout.com. Heathout.com. Uh you can also always find us at patreon.com backslash the days I know. Um subscribe to the Substack. Um which is a uh, Substack or Dave's I know the Dave's I know dot Substack.com. Um, rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast at TBIKMN on Twitter. I'm at Texas Zeller. Dan's at D Wade. MJ is at MJ Matsui. And Bill is at Squire. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. To try and work it out. Cause we both know we can't do nothing at all. Son. Long as you do yours, land here become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we yeah. do our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son.